Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, ratchetandratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook, leave a review on Podchaser, um, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, <sighs> chapter 16, how many chapters are in this book? 25. Nine chapters left. Okay. I feel like when you're lifting weights and you don't know if you can make it through that last little push of reps or whatever, and there's usually somebody over you like, push it out. You can do it. And all that kind of stuff. There's nobody telling me to push it out. And this is hard. She's not to be underestimated. Monroe. It's clear from those words that he's talking about, um, me and more. Like it's absolutely, I'm certain of it. <sighs> when one brother falls, the next one takes her place or takes his place. You niggas ready to make a name for yourselves, right? Monroe asks as he sat at the table with three youngsters. I thought he didn't like youngsters. I thought he was like looking at them like they didn't deserve to be at his table. What's this? <clears throat> he had recruited them from Opalaka for a specific job. And they were all hungry live wires. They were the kind of goons who killed for nothing. They were looking for a come up. So when Monroe knocked on the door with an opportunity, they were ecstatic. No doubt. What we got to do? The oldest of the young clique asked. Monroe smiled and rubbed his hands together as he quickly scanned the nearly empty restaurant. I need a job done and I need it done right. I need a bitch kidnapped, Monroe said without blinking an eye. Kidnapped, the kid said as a smile formed on his face. Shit's easy, son. We had snatched that bitch up. Just point us to her. We'll handle the rest, big homie, he said with confidence as the other two goons nodded in approval. So I guess goons and young are the two. Now, nah, little nigga, you going about it all wrong. It ain't an easy job. This isn't an ordinary chick. I mean... She moved like a nigga. She's not to be underestimated. So I need to get this done with no mishaps. You got me? I got you. We just need the rundown on this bitch. You want us to slumper? The goon asked as he began to lick its chops, eager to kill. He wanted to put in work so badly. Monroe shook his head in frustration and folded his hands together, trying not to show his frustration. Listen close. I want you to snatch her up. That's it. Understand? Got it, the leader said. Meet me here tomorrow at the same time and I'll give you all the info. I'm going to set up a spot that I want you to take her to. Once she's there, tie her up and wait for me. You do that and I got 25 stacks for you. A piece, Monroe stated. You know what? I changed my mind. It might be Breeze. A piece, they all said in unison, not believing what they had just heard. They would have done it for free, but to find out they were about to get paid handsomely, it was a bonus. That's right. If you guys pull this off, I'll put all of you on. No more small time shit, little nigga. Welcome to the big leagues. You have the ticket to the money train right in front of you. What you gonna do? Monroe asked as he sat back in his chair and looked at each one of them in the eyes. We gonna get that money, the leader said. 
Pandora's box had just been opened, and Monroe knew that there was no coming back on what he had just put in motion. Mia Moore looked at the paper in her hands and smiled seeing her baby's ultrasound pictures. She couldn't wait to show Carter. The baby was getting so big, and the realization that she would finally be a mother hit her. This made her heart warm, and a smile spread across her face involuntarily. Just as the thought of Carter danced in her mind, her phone rang. She looked at the caller ID and saw that it was him calling. I'm not even going to grace their error with my words. It's it's just, it's, it's just, hey baby, I was just, look Mia, listen very closely to me. I need you to check into a room in South Beach. Do not go home, Carter said, cutting her off mid-sentence. Mia Morka sensed urgency in his voice, something very rare with Carter. He seemed worried. Wait, wait, what's wrong, baby? Is everything okay? Mia Moore asked as the smile that was just on her face turned into a confused frown. Everything's okay. I just need you to do that for me. As soon as you get there and check in, text me the room number. I'll meet you there later tonight, Carter instructed. Carter, you're scaring me. Tell me what's going on, she demanded as she made her way over to the car. Just do what I said and I'll explain it to you later tonight, okay? He responded. Okay, Carter. I love you, Mia Moore said as she stopped walking for a brief second. I love you too, Carter said just before he hung up the phone. Mia Moore pushed the end button on her phone and headed directly to the car. She began to get a bad feeling in the pit of her stomach and she hated the feeling. Y'all could just say it. If you say, um, she began to get a bad feeling in the pit of her stomach, you could say, and she hated it. If you say Monroe shook his head in frustration and folded his hands together, trying not to show it. You don't have to say the frustration again. You don't have to say the the, the feeling. We know what you're talking about. When you say it again, at that point in time, you can use pronouns. I swear y'all know that. I mean, I'm. how can't you? You learn about pronouns in like the second grade. How can't you know that? And you're writing this. And it happens over and over again in this book. And I'm tired of it. See, the way that y'all would have wrote that shit is, it's happening over and over again in this book. And I'm tired of it happening over and over again in this book. See, because you can use it as a noun and a pronoun. Educate yourselves. She knew something was wrong. She had never heard Carter sound so anxious. It's 10-10. Where you been? Can you go to South Beach? Mia Moore hurried to her car and started it, looking around apprehensively. She pulled out of the parking lot and fixed her rearview mirror. She was growing nervous and paranoid because of Carter's instructions. She maneuvered through the streets and headed toward South Beach. I don't know what's going on, Carter, but... Her thoughts were interrupted by a bum walking across the street, and she hit her brakes abruptly, stopping just short of him. Her whole body tensed up, and she blew her horn to alert him. Just as Mia Moore made eye contact with the bum, a black truck pulled up next to Mia Moore's car with three youngsters inside. Mia Moore held her breath as she noticed the menacing looks on her faces and knew that something wasn't right. All three pairs of eyes were on her, and she began to feel her heart pound hard. She noticed that the three eyes looked past her, and she followed their eyes. She followed them. Before she could react, a black van pulled up on the opposite side, and a masked man jumped out and got into her car. He had a gun to her head and threw her car in park. No! She yelled as everything happened so fast. The bum pointed a gun at the young boy as his partners grabbed up Mia Moore and forced her into the van. The youngsters were defenseless as they had their hands in the air. The goon posing as a bum walked backwards to the van and hopped in. The sound of screeching tires filled the air as they bent the corner and sped off. A black pillowcase was put over Mia Moore's head as she cried for Carter, but he couldn't hear her. No one could. Wait, what? 
So the youngsters and the bum weren't on the same team. That was just happenstance. A coincidence. And also, I guess that after Money talked with the young fellas, two days later, this shit went down because he said, meet me here tomorrow at the same time and I'll give you all the info. I'm going to set up a spot that I want you to take her to. Because, like, right after that, they go to Mia Moore's story. They don't talk about a night or anything like that. They just go to, like, I guess two days later or something. <sighs> Chapter 17. You either let me walk out of here, or Carter will send his goons to come get me. Mia Moore. Mia Moore call- And why does he have such funk with her? I guess it's because of his mom. I guess. I don't know. Mia Moore coughed uncontrollably as she struggled to catch her breath. She had no idea how long she had been out, but as she opened her eyes, she was hit with a splitting headache. Her mouth fell open in distress, but no sound came out as she grimaced in pain. Where am I? she thought. Surprisingly, she was left unbound, and she hesitantly stood to her feet. Mia Moore's eyes danced around the room to find something to defend herself with as her heart raced. The room was small but comfortable. A queen bed and a bureau were the only contents of the room. But with no window, Mia Moore was unsure of what time of day it was. Had she been out for hours or days? How long had she been gone? Did Carter realize she was missing? Mia Moore was at a mental loss as she tried to assess her current unfortunate situation. I swear, her and Breeze are like the... uh. Bordelaire children from Lemony Snicket. Like, they just keep having an absolute series of unfortunate events happen to them. This is wild. A greasy bag of food sat on top of the dresser, and Mia Moore silently went over to it, emptying the contents. A burger and fry sat inside. She bypassed the food and opened the drawers, hoping to find anything she could use to protect herself. A gun would have been nice, but Mia Moore wasn't picky. A pin, a wire hanger, she'd take anything at this point, but to her dismay, all of the drawers were empty. She had been tossed into an empty room, and her imagination was getting the best of her. The longer she waited, the more worry filled her heart. Mia Moore had never been afraid of anything in her life, except, you know, Mecca, which they talk about constantly. Up until the fact that she found out that he was dead, not by her man telling her to her face, but by her man telling everybody that he killed him. Other than that. But as she sat waiting for the unknown, she feared for the life of her unborn child. Maternal instinct caused her to think of the seed growing in her belly before thinking of herself. Where the fuck am I? She thought uneasily. Her frustration grew until she couldn't contain herself. Fuck waiting for someone to come. She was going to make him come. Mia Moore walked over to the door and kicked it as hard as she could. Bam, bam, bam. Always wanting to confront her attackers, she wanted to see who she was up against. She wasn't about to cower and have the hours of the day tick by torturously slow. Someone had wanted her. Now she was here and she wanted to know the who's and why's behind the setup. I know you're out there. Who are you? If you think someone isn't looking for me at this very moment, you got the game fucked up. Do you know who I am? She screamed as she beat the door with her fist, causing a commotion. Mia Moore had been a part of the streets long enough to know that whoever had taken her wanted something. Otherwise, she'd be dead already. Her first thought told her that Monroe was behind it. He had more than enough reason to want her extinct, but something about the situation just didn't feel right. The new sheets on the bed, the mediocre but accommodating setup, the meal, none of it was Monroe's style. Money would have put me in a dirt hole by now, Mia Moore thought. At the least, he would have gagged and bound her. The freedom of movement and speech were a luxury in this situation, and it was one that Monroe would not have afforded her. Mia Moore lifted her foot to kick the door once more, 
but momentum caused her to stumble forward slightly as the door opened. A masked goon entered the room and raged at her outburst. She was loud, screaming at the top of her lungs. They were in the middle of nowhere, in the Florida Everglades to be exact, and there was no one around to hear her, but he'd be damned if he listened to her wails all night. Bitch, get your ass over there and shut the fuck up before I cut your tongue from your fucking throat, he ordered as he grabbed her roughly and threw her onto the bed. It took everything in me and more not to come out of her mouth crazy at the dude in front of her. Fire danced in her eyes as she stared him down maliciously. Her pride told her to pop off, but the flutter of her child kicking in her stomach won the Battle of Regions, making her play it cool. How? What? How far along are we? In this book. Since her and... Rio. What? She could feel the child flutter in her stomach? Like... I know she had the. I know she saw the ultrasound, and when they said the baby was getting big, I just thought they meant the fetus was getting big. Like, cool. But if the baby's kicking, where are we? Y'all should say something about that. I'm sorry. Please, I just want to go home. What do you want? Is it money? I have money. I can get you. Shut the fuck up! The goon yelled. A hard slap to her face caused Mia Moore to see stars, and she curled on the bed in a fetal position as she held her injured jaw. The goon stared lustfully at Mia Moore. Her breasts heaved under the thin fabric of the Chanel dress she wore, and her ass could barely be contained, while her hips caused a hemline to rise. She held her face as she squirmed across the bed, putting her back against the wall. They better fucking not. They better fucking not, I swear to God. Where are you going, huh? You running? I bet you run from the dick just like that, don't you? The goon asked as he hovered over Mia Moore, grabbing at her legs. Mia Moore kicked his hands away as she panicked. Carter's face flashed through her mind. She needed him more now than ever. No! She screamed as her foot met with his mouth. Fuck! You bitch! The goon shouted in pain. Her protests only made him angrier, and despite the strict instructions he had been given regarding the job, he decided that he would have a piece of Mia Moore. She was too enticing not to sample. He gripped her thighs with both hands and pulled her forcefully towards him. His hand squeezed her skin so tightly that he left bruises where each of his fingertips dug into her flesh. Don't do this, please. I'm pregnant, she whispered as he climbed on top of her and pulled out his dick. A crooked leer spread across his face, and he lowered himself, positioning for entry. Even better, he cracked. That's the best pussy. Mia Moore wanted to fight him, but he was three times bigger than her. The only thing she could think of was something happening to her child. If he hit her hard enough in just the right spot, it could endanger her seed, and she had to protect that at all times. She was in a delicate state and her body stiffened at the foreign touch of another man. He opened her legs with such force that it felt as if her pelvis cracked. Tears flooded her vision. In the past, he would have had to kill her to take what he wanted, but things were so different. Now she had something to live for. Now she would sacrifice a piece of her soul in order to survive. She lay stiff like a cadaver and closed her eyes as the goon ripped her panties. Her chest heaved in distress and boom. The gunshot rang in her ears, forcing her eyes open as the weight of the goon collapsed over her. His now limp body pushed the wind from her lungs and she placed her hands on his dead chest and rolled him off of her. Her body shook as his blood covered her dress and she looked up into the eyes of his killer. He was masked, but there was something familiar about him. The dark eyes that looked through the holes in the ski mask penetrated her. He saw through her. She squinted curiously as she opened her mouth to speak. What do you want from me? I just want you, little mama. That's it and nothing more, the masked man responded. Her eyes widened in surprise as she rushed to stand. This is me talking right here. This is, this is murder. I don't know how he knows where she's at. 
don't know what the fuck is going on, but I bet you this is murder. Her mouth opened slightly in disbelief. This can't be happening. This isn't real. He wouldn't do this to me, she thought. The gun that now hung at his side, gripped loosely in his hand, did nothing to stop me or more from crossing the room. She reached up to remove his mask, but a firm hand gripped her wrist to stop her. They stood there for a moment, Miyamura looking through the eyes of a killer as she shook her head. It's not you, she whispered. Is it? she added unsurely. The goon released her hand, and Miyamura pulled off his mask. Murder? The whisper could barely be heard as she backpedaled away from him. I missed you, little mama, he replied. Mixed emotions filled her. He had taught her everything she knew and was the first man she had ever loved. Murder? She repeated in confusion, unable to wrap her mind around what was happening. Suddenly, it was all so overwhelming. Rage bubbled to the top over everything else. Why would you do this to me? She asked as she charged him, pushing him in the chest in frustration. Murder took her assault as she released years of pent-up resentment. The question wasn't vague. It was deeper than just her kidnapping. When murder had been sent away to prison, her entire world had changed. You've been out of my life for years. You can't just show up here. You can't just come back. Her anger turned to sadness as the things she felt for him in the past came rushing back to her. He was the only person who had ever seen her softer side. He knew her before she was an infamous murder mama. He had groomed her. Her resolve softened as she found comfort in his embrace, and she cried on his shoulder as his arms wrapped around her. It's all right, murder whispered as he pulled her tightly to his chest, holding the back of her head securely, his fingers lost in her hair. Let's get you cleaned up and let me take care of this nigga. After that, we'll talk and I'll explain everything to you. She pushed away from him, gathering her composure. I don't want to hear an explanation, murder. I want to go home, she said, her voice low. She couldn't look him in the eyes, because the sincerity she saw in them took her down memory lane. In the past, her affection for him had been so strong that she couldn't deny him, but now things had changed. Now Carter had entered the picture, and her feelings for murder dwindled when measured against her love for Carter. I am home, Mia Moore. I came all the way down here just to bring you home. I took on the biggest drug organization just to get you back. When I thought you were dead, I hunted these niggas, Mia Moore. Somebody was going to pay for what I thought happened to you. But when you resurfaced, I had to have you. You crossed my mind every day while I was locked up. Your face kept me alive in there, and I'm not leaving Miami without you, little mama. He answered, his voice serious. So you kidnapped me? You snatched me off the streets and put me in harm's way, Miyamore argued. His words tugged at her heartstrings, but angered her all the same. You were never in any danger, Murder said. Just give me a minute to explain, Miyamore. Get out of the bloody clothes and just come sit down and talk to me. This is me. You can't tell me that you're not happy to see me, Murder walked up on her and placed his hand beneath her chin. You can't say you didn't miss me. Mia Moore turned her head and attempted to walk around him, out of the room. He grabbed her arm and turned her back to him. You're not leaving. I'm sorry, he stated sternly. Mia Moore scoffed in disbelief. So you're going to force me to stay? You're keeping me here when I'm telling you I want to leave? Murder was visibly wounded by her words. I'm asking you to give me a week. I know you, Mia Moore. The life you live in ain't you. You don't want to be wifey to a nigga like Carter. The nigga's pussy. All this cartel bullshit. You tell me that's the life you want? That ain't you. You're a loner. You're a recluse. The only family you love was the little one we created. Me, you, and my sister. Mia Moore whispered as she closed her eyes and saw Anissa's face in her head. You laying up with the very niggas that took her life, Mia Moore. She in the dirt and you sitting on a throne with the motherfuckers who murked her. That ain't you. You don't want that. I know you. That nigga Carter has got you brainwashed, little mama. Just give me a week to remind you of who you are, murder bargained.
I know who I am, Myanmar replied. I'm with Carter because I want to be. No brainwashing, no angles. I love him. Fuck a week. I'm not looking back to the past, murder. You're the past, and I'm leaving all that shit behind. Now you either let me walk out of here, or Carter will send his goons to get me. But either way, I'm leaving. He'll never stop looking for me, murder, and you don't know what I know. His reach in the streets is long. He'll find me. It hasn't been that long, anymore. You know how I get down. The nigga brings smoke to my doorstep and I'm going to leave him leaking on it, Murder replied venomously. Now go take a shower and clean yourself up. You try to run and I'll rip that baby right out of your stomach. Myanmar blinked away her tears. And that's love? You came back here because you love me, right? Love don't do shit like that, Murder. I love every piece of you, but I hate every part of him, including... His words trailed off as he pointed to her stomach. Myanmar knew him well enough to know that he wasn't lying. He didn't use scare tactics. If he said it, he meant it. Carter, please come for me, she thought. Myanmar was superior to every nigga she had ever gone up against with the exception of murder. He knew her too well for her to have the upper hand. How could you, Mia? You are my little mama, murder asked. Now you're pregnant with this nigga bastard kid. Okay, you should have put an apostrophe at the end of nigga to make it niggas, to make it possessive. Because if you're saying that nigga bastard kid, you're saying that it's his bastard kid, which means it's possessive, which means there should be an apostrophe S, which means that should read. Now you're pregnant with this nigga's bastard kid. I talked about this on Black Chick Lit a couple weeks back, but we got to stop settling for editing and, and stories and, and writing that we know that the editors wouldn't allow for white people. Just because it's urban fiction doesn't mean it has to be this type of writing. There's no such thing as urban writing. There's really no such thing as urban fiction, but we fell into it and that's where we are. But you should not allow the books you're reading to be written like this. It's just not the way that it should be. And unless we tell folks we're not standing for it anymore, they're going to keep pushing it out on you. That's all I'm going to say. You want to hear more? Listen to the Black Chick Lit uh, Love My Wife and Sister 2 episode. It was dope. Mia Moore broke down, hearing his heartbreak and feeling heartbreak of her own as she thought of her fate. It was possible that she wouldn't make it out of this one alive. She gave him no response beside the sobs that racked her. Get out of the bloody clothes. By the time you get out of the shower, I'll have dinner for you and I'll take care of this mess, he said, pointing to the goon's dead body. He kissed the top of her head and she closed her eyes in despair as he exited the room. Mia Moore was stuck between a rock and a hard place. She wanted to hate murder, but she couldn't. She knew that he had been locked up for so long that she was all he remembered. His world had been on a standstill while hers had moved on. There was a time when she thought that she would never replace him, but upon meeting Carter, all of her doubts had gone out of the window. He was the greatest man she had ever known, and her loyalty was with him. Mia Moore just had to figure out how to get back to him in one piece. By the time Mia Moore emerged from the bathroom, the dead body was gone, and Murder stood outside the bathroom door, waiting patiently for her. He held a shopping bag for her. It's not designer like what you used to. But it'll do, he said. Mia Moore held the cotton towel tightly around her body and took the bag from Murder. Murder tugged at the towel that was tucked snugly under her armpits. Murder, don't, she said. He snatched the towel anyway and pulled it away from her, revealing her naked body. Relax, little mama. I never had to take it, Murder said. His hands explored her body as he slowly ran his hands... This is what I'm talking about. We don't have to put up with this. His hands explored her body as he slowly ran his hands over her stomach. Or, his hands explored her body as he slowly ran them over her stomach. She was perfectly sculpted, but her once flawless body was marred with scars. They showed the struggle she had endured at the hands of Mecha Diamond. 
Her baby bump was subtle and barely there. But Murder knew her so well that he knew that she was pregnant without having to tell her. He noticed a slight weight in her face and the thickness around her hips and breasts. Mia Moore's breath caught in her throat as she waited for him to hurt her, to hit her in the stomach and punch and hurt her unborn child. She was surprised when she felt how gently he touched her. His hands graced hers like feathers, and she placed her hands over his. This is supposed to be us, little mama. This is supposed to be us, our baby, Murder said. Mia Moore removed his hand, squirming out of his grasp as she covered herself with the towel. Things have changed, Murder. I've changed. A part of me will always care about you, but I love Carter. Since you're not leaving me any choice, I'll stay a week, but I don't want to mislead you. I will not stay after that. If you try to make me, you'll have to sleep with one eye open for as long as I'm here, because the first opportunity I get, I'll kill you, she said. Murder pushed her against the wall, trapping her in his personal space as his hand went to her neck. Mia Moore tensed. You couldn't kill me any quicker than I could kill you, Murder said. His hand moved from her neck to her cheek as he traced her jawline. I'd always hesitate, and we both know that in the murder game, there's no room for second guessing. Thank you for the week, though. By the end of it, you won't want to go home. At no point in their relationship past that one moment that happened when he literally tried to finesse her into a relationship when she was like 16 or 17, did she ever say that she had feelings for him. And whatever she had for him was a teenage love that's clearly passed. And he's unwilling to accept that. However, he is more than willing to threaten violence upon somebody he claims to love, which is a theme in this book. Chapter 18. I want anybody affiliated with them to be in pieces in the Atlantic. Fish food. Carter. Carter paced back and forth with worry on his mind, but his heart was ablaze with anger. Zaire had assembled the entire cartel at Carter's request. They all sat silently. No one dared to say a word as they waited uneasily for Carter to speak first. Everyone seated at the table knew that there were two people in Carter's life who were off limits. Mia Moore and Breeze. Someone had disrespected him, and the veins bulging out of his neck indicated that someone's life was on an official countdown. He held his hands behind his back as his jaw tensed. So again, did murder know the dude that he was working with? He had to know the dude, right? To set up that, that, that whole little kidnapping thing that he pulled off. So he didn't tell the dude, look, this lady is very important to me don't do shit treat her with respect like nothing no conversation at all and then you pull up at the same light that the goons that money has pulls up okay okay zaire stood ominously in the background rubbing his chin as he bowed his head while leaning against the wall. He was the leader of the cartel. Unlike Monroe, Zaire wasn't threatened by a brotherhood of power. Zaire was the face that the street saw. Carter had put him in the forefront of the cartel, and he wore his crown with humility. If Carter wanted to step back into a seat, Zaire would step aside and support his decision. It was love and loyalty that kept Zaire and Carter on the same page. There was no competition between them because there was no weak links in their chain. They reigned over Miami as a team. Monroe wanted it all for himself. And in his attempts to overthrow the cartel, he had crossed the line. Carter had been feeling extreme guilt in his decision to press the button on Monroe. But now that Mia Moore had been snatched, Carter felt no remorse. All bets were off and nothing was off limits. If Monroe wanted to play hardball... Then Carter was schooling on the rules of the game. Monroe had put down a play that couldn't be taken back, and now Carter was all in. This was different than the war with the Haitians. This was more serious than the beef with the Mexican cartels. This was blood against blood, 
and the aftermath of their war will be one that could level everything the cartel had built over the years. Carter was strategic in the way he chose his words as he addressed the heads of his empire. Something has been taken from me. Someone dear to me has been touched. A line has been crossed. See, the possessiveness of that statement didn't need to be there. He could have just said, someone near to me has been touched. Didn't have to say something because that diminishes her down to a possession, a thing. And she's not. Uh, I got a hundred racks for whoever can bring Monroe Diamond to me. I don't want him harmed. Just deliver to me. I've got $10,000 for any members of OMG. I want anyone affiliated with them to be in peace in the Atlantic. Fish food, Carter stated, his voice even like the calm before the storm. The hell is OMG? Original money group? Like, what the fuck is OMG? Who is OMG? I searched, and this is the first time that phrase has been used in this book. Also, just out of curiosity, I searched, and the word goon and goons is used 98 times in this book. It's a lot. Zaire could see the anger simmering in Carter's heart, and he recognized the thirsty look in the eyes of the hustlers who sat around the table. Carter had put a six-figure bounty out on the streets, and niggas were determined to make that cake. Carter dismissed the room, and Zaire stayed back as the rest of the men exited the house. Tension was high, and Zaire didn't know what to say to reassure Carter. They had been through thick times before and had weathered the storm, but the current opposition was someone who occupied space inside Carter's heart. There was no easy answer, no easy out. Whatever he decided would destroy them, the same way that killing Mecca had. He was about to annihilate another brother on behalf of the woman he loved. She's pregnant, fam. She's carrying my kid and the nigga got her tied up somewhere, Carter stated in disbelief. If she hadn't been expecting, Carter would have had more confidence in me and work to hold things down. She wasn't the average victim, and vulnerability wasn't a characteristic that she showed often. But in her current state, there was no way that she could defend herself. Carter had to get her back home. If something happened to her, Carter would never forgive himself. She was his woman. She was his responsibility. And the baby growing in her stomach meant everything to him. Carter felt as if his worst fear was coming true. He had promised me and Morty he would take care of her if she laid down her gun. And now that she had, he had failed her. If something happens to her or my baby... I'm going to paint the fucking city red, Carter said as he walked over to the picture window that looked over his beautifully landscaped estate. It won't. I'll put my ear to the streets. Somebody knows something. If I hear anything, I'll hit you, fam, Zaire said. He gave Carter a reassuring pat on the back before making his exit. Carter sat in his black Porsche Cayenne, maneuvering through the streets on black rims and hidden behind the black tent as he headed to Coral Gables. He knew where he could find Monroe. Just months ago, it was he who had helped his younger brother pick out the secluded estate. He rode in silence, his heart clenched like an iron fist inside of his chest, and his stomach felt hollow. Since Mia Moore's return, he had held out on her, not wanting to give her his all just in case she betrayed him again. Now he realized that no matter how hard he tried to keep his feelings for her at bay, she had him. Mia Moore captured his soul and his heart. What? Mia Moore captured his soul and his heart in her hands. Okay, no. And without her, he felt empty. He would kill a nigga for her, including his brother. Twice, apparently. There was no exception when it came to her. Now that she was pregnant with his son, he would never allow anyone to bring harm to them. As he drove, the city gradually disappeared and he turned right onto the uncharted road that led to Monroe's estate. Since establishing OMG, Monroe lived like something out of the movies. A guard sat at the security booth outside the gate at home, and three more patrolled the perimeter of the grounds. There were cameras everywhere 
and two beautiful black Rottweiler pups made the plush estate seem more like a prison than a place one called home. Monroe had taken all of these measures to ensure that Carter could not touch him, but he had forgotten one thing. Carter was the one who had set him up with the security company in the first place. After a hefty $25,000 payment, Carter easily purchased the code to Monroe's gate and the blind eye of security guards on payroll. Carter nodded to the guard at the gate as he keyed in the access code. The electric black steel gate swung open and Carter guided his car inside. He pulled directly to the front of the home, parking his car in the circular driveway. Taking a deep breath, he pressed a button on his console and watched the hidden compartment slide out. It was a trick that he had put Zaire up on and a necessity for every car that he owned. He removed his Glock 40 handgun and kept it in his hand as he got out, approaching the door. Two ferocious dogs came running towards him, barking their threats. There were two beauties, a black man stallion, but Carter didn't hesitate to lay them down. He shot them down at his feet, delivering one bullet each before stepping over their bodies and knocking on Monroe's door. The butt of the gun caused his knocks to sound like thunder as he beat down the door. He didn't want his visit to be a surprise. He was there to confront Monroe head on and negotiate Mia Moore's release. He wasn't leaving without her. And he hoped for Monroe's sake that he made this simple, because Carter was prepared to make things difficult. The door flew open, and Carter was surprised to see Lena standing on the other side of the door. She stood clinging to her silk robe, her hair slightly messy, as she looked at Carter in confusion. Clearly, she hadn't been expecting anyone. Her presence had slipped his mind, but it definitely sweetened the pot. Carter, she explained in surprise. Where's money? he asked. His voice froze her instantly as her eyes shifted to the gun in his hand and her brow wrinkled in worry. He's not here, she replied. Should I be afraid to let you in here right now, Carter? Your nephew's in here. She closed the door a bit and spoke to him through a small opening as she tried to keep him on the outside of her home. He had always been gracious to her. He was family. But the murderous look in his eyes and the fact that he stood at her door, gun in hand, caused her much distress. Carter eased her inside the house, using his weight to push her aside, and then closed the door behind him. I'm sorry, Lena. Money took something from me. Now, I have to take something from him. Lena! Monroe screamed as he stormed into his home. He recognized Carter's car as soon as he pulled up, and the dead dogs out front prepared him for the worst. Lena! No need to yell, Money. She's still alive, for now, Carter said, his voice low and threatening as he watched Monroe enter the living room. Lena held her sleeping son in her arms as tears of fear ran down her cheeks while sitting in a chair at Carter's gunpoint. Money, please! She sobbed as Carter held the gun at point-blank range, preparing to blow her brains out. What are you doing? My fucking family, Carter? This is how you want to play it? Money barked. Why not, little brother? This is how you're playing it. My girl and my seed are missing. She's carrying your nephew, Money. My son. If they have a daughter, I'm going to be so happy. This is out of character for me, but please don't doubt that I will take everything from you right now with just a pull of the trigger. You give me back my family, and I'll leave your home without harming yours. Where is she? Carter asked with murderous intent in his eyes. His heart galloped with adrenaline as his temper flared. Carter wanted to put a hollow point between Monroe's eyes. For Monroe to have the audacity to snatch me more was a show of disrespect. Had he been any other nigga, Monroe would already be mourning the loss of this bitch and his kid. Because they shared the same blood, Carter was throwing him a line of redemption. One chance was all Monroe had to right his wrong. Carter, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. We're at odds, but I would never, never torch my stash houses, never shoot up my blocks. What are your limits, money? Mia Moore's missing. You're the only nigga in the city who has the balls to come at me like that. You put in the call to them OMG niggas and have her released now, Carter demanded. Carter, I swear to God, fam. Money? I've been going easy on you because you're my brother. And you've obviously mistaken my kindness for weakness. 
You got five seconds before you're planning a double funeral, Carter threatened. Lena broke down and she cradled her son to her chest. His tiny hands clung to her as she closed her eyes and prayed over him. She cringed as the cold still marked the kiss of death on the back of her skull. I will put her brains on the floor, Carter yelled. Hey, you know what? I just realized something. That's why Estes didn't want her anywhere near Mecca. Like she thought that he was in love with her ass, but really, he was just saving her for money. Huh. Carter, money yelled in distress as he watched his family squirm as his son awoke from the commotion and began to reach for him. Lena held on to their son tightly, however, as she was racked with heartbreak. Money, just tell him what he wants to know, Lena begged. Please. Five. Carter began his countdown, eyes cold and his will unflinching. Don't. You don't want to do this, Money negotiated. His hands were extended as if he could calm Carter. He wanted to shoot him dead where he stood, but he would never make such a risky move as long as his love and child were in harm's way. Four, Carter continued. I don't have her, Carter, Money said. Three, where is she, Money? Carter demanded. Money's eyes widened. Carter! Two, Carter moved the gun from Lena to Monroe Jr. He's my son, Money protested, anxiety causing his voice to raise an octave as his eyes grew as wide as saucers. One. Monroe dropped to his knees and extended both hands in a desperate plea as tears blurred his vision. I don't have her, Money yelled. It wasn't me. That wasn't my play. I didn't take me and more. I admit I thought about it. I had my people in place, but someone else got there first. Carter fingered the trigger. No, brother, I swear on everything it wasn't me. My little niggas were all set to go when someone pulled up in black SUVs and did the job for us. Monroe said, the words spilling out of his mouth as sweat shone on his forehead. Who? Carter barked. I don't know. All I know is that it wasn't me. Now please let your nephew and Lena go. Carter heard the sincerity in his words and he withdrew his gun. He knew that Monroe would never gamble with the lives of those he loved, especially the son he was just getting to know. He's not behind this, Carter thought as a new confusion swept over him. He had no other enemies. Who would make such a bold move against him? Did you really forget about murder? Was he that inconsequential to y'all niggas? Like seriously? Hold on. Okay. See, this is what happens when you have all the books at your disposal. You can go back and look. Carter knew that his suspicions about murder were correct. And he had one of his goons trail murder. He eventually found out that murder replaced bombs at the warehouse. So you knew that murder was trying to kill y'all. Like, just because you got away don't mean shit. Everybody else coming back, why wouldn't you suspect murder? Why are you like, I don't know who doesn't like me. This is, this is bizarre. How bizarre? How bizarre? Ooh, baby. Who would make such a bold move against him? Carter stepped away from a sobbing Lena and walked up to Monroe, who now stood on his feet. They stood toe-to-toe as they stared each other in the eye. If you're lying, money, I'm not, Monroe responded. Now get the fuck out of my house. Monroe rushed over to his family as Carter stormed out. Carter sat with the newspaper in front of him, staring at the dead faces of Monroe's security guards and the owner of the security company that had employed them. Carter knew that Monroe had executed them for not protecting his home. The moment Carter stepped foot on his soil, the guards' lives had been put on a countdown. Carter didn't flinch or feel a sliver of remorse. As long as Mia Moore was missing... He didn't care how many people lost their lives in his persistent search to find her. His bell rang, and one of his goons stood, instinctively placing a hand near his waist. Carter checked one of several monitors that were positioned discreetly around his mansion. Let her in, he said as he recognized Lena's face. He stood and awaited her presence as she was given access to his mansion. She was a vision of beauty standing before him. Her flower-printed Prada dress flowed serenely behind her as she walked towards him while her heels clicked the floor. She stood across the room, twiddling her hands in front of her, with worry written all over her face. I'm sorry it didn't work, Carter. I tried to make it look as real as possible, 
But your bastard brother would rather hold his secrets than tell the truth to save me and his son, Lena said, her eyes watering. What? Carter would never put her or his nephew in harm's way. The clip wasn't even in the gun the night before when he held her at gunpoint to get money's cooperation. In one sentence, he says he loves us, but when faced with a chance to prove it, he loves you, Lena, Carter interrupted. He wasn't lying. He doesn't have me anymore, Carter said. This I'm sure of. His words silenced her, and she looked down on Shirley. How can you be so sure? I know my brother, Carter answered solemnly. Lena had been around Carter long enough to see that he was hurting. His spirit was broken, and she could see the emotions taking a toll on him. She will be all right, Lena said, only half believing her words. Will she? Carter replied. Lena reached up and hugged Carter, planting a sisterly kiss on his cheek. I have to get back. I'm not even supposed to be here. I told Monroe that I wouldn't leave the house, and the baby's with the nanny. I wish this war between you and your brother would end. I miss my family. Carter kissed her forehead, but didn't respond as he turned and walked out of the room. 916-633-1537 Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com Ratchet Book Club on Twitter Ratchet Book Club on Facebook Leave a review on Podchaser. You can leave a review for this episode or for the show as a whole. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review on Good Pods app. Um, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Uh, you can leave a tip on Good Pods. Um, you can buy merchandise uh, by clicking on the link in our... Um, link tree yeah thank y'all so much for listening i do greatly appreciate it y'all be good i'm gonna holler at you later peace and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name,